0: Get your day started with a breakfast full of positive music, fun, inspiration, and so much more. Rise and shine with Felon DJ. Weekday mornings on Vision. realfaith.org.au I was convinced that there was something powerful about the words of this book that were different from words of other books that I had read. So the next day my dad came and gave me this Bible And this time I was fully convinced about the reality of God. Of course, I knew that I had just had some kind of an experience, but I I wanted more. I wanted to know this God. Welcome to Real Faith,
1: conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's Real People,
2: Real Life and Real Faith. With Eric Scatabar. Once again, our guest is Pastor Luis Cabral. He was born in Angola, moved with his family to Portugal when he was 10 years old, as we heard last time. And then as an adult, he eventually moved here to Australia in 2009. So we're going to hear more of his story today. Welcome back to the program, Pastor Cabral. Thank you, Eric, for having me. Glad to have you back with us. And as we heard last time, you shared that amazing story of how your father came to faith in Jesus Christ. And you were 18 years old, and it sounded like you just weren't really into it. You were kind of respected your father, that he was into all this faith, going to the top of mountaintops and praying to God. But that wasn't for you. So let's kind
0: of continue. Where were you at at that point? I could not deny the fact that things had changed in my life, in, in the life of my mom and dad and our family. I mean, we had come from a background of um, you know being really wealthy and well off in Angola, where we yeah, lived. Yeah,
2: we we forgot to talk about that last time. So you went from your dad's a kind of a rich oil man kind well, of guy. Well, I
0: mean, he was an accountant for an oil oh, an company. Account- well, but I mean, but, yeah, well lived, we lived really well off. My grandfather was uh, had a huge coffee plantation. So uh, I mean, yeah, we yeah. lived we lived quite well, and and we went from that into uh, suddenly becoming refugees in a country we had never been to in the Portugal. Of Portugal, yeah, yeah. We, we landed basically with the clothes on our bodies, and so that as a little guy, ten years of age, there was a lot of uh, hopelessness and 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 despair, mm. and uh, there was a sense of you know we didn't know what the future was going to bring, and so when my parents. Now I came to Christ at the age of eighteen. We had been, we had recovered somewhat mm. from that initial experience, but there was still that dark. Did he ever get s- back to about what he had been before, or no, as a businessman? Well, he ended up uh, starting another business. Uh, it took him a while, but there was that sense, uh, something that never left us from that experience of Africa, that sense of hopelessness mm. and that sort of dark cloud that we always felt was over us. And mm. but suddenly, as my parents came to Christ, there was this hope. And so your was, mother did as well. Yes, absolutely. My dad. Because
2: it sounded like initially she was a, a little bit more skeptical about it.
0: My mom, my dad, yes. My, my sisters, they all came to faith in Christ oh, okay. and they were. Was they that
2: from that tent meeting?
0: Yes, absolutely. All of them. All of oh, them. Oh, wow. Yes. But I, was, you, I was the only one that. <laughs> oh, okay. You were the holdout. I just went there to see the, the music. I just went the there to see the <laughs> drums. And to my disappointment, uh, I got there too late. There was no denying that there was hope now in them. They were optimistic and positive mm-hmm. about life. And, but still, I thought, well, this is probably a phase that will get out of it. My dad will go back to his cigarettes and he's reading a newspaper and so on and so forth. But it didn't go away. And my dad, every time he would see me, he would say, son, I'm praying for you. I said, well, dad, yeah, do your thing. Yeah, It's okay. I mean, you're happy with religion. That's good for you. I'm just, mm. I want a different. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. But there's my dad reading his Bible out loud at home. And and reading, portions he would read of the it out loud, out loud. Yeah, he would read portions like, "All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." He would read like, "There's only one mediator between man and God, Jesus Christ." He would read all these passages, and he probably did it on purpose. And I would go into my room, would crank up the sound, would try to isolate myself from what was going on in the oh, living room. Like rock music, <laughs> rock music. And there were times I think he probably came near the wall and would with his Bible and it would he would read. These passages of the Bible selected out loud. And there were times I would just come out and say, Well, Dad, okay, uh, I'm out of here. And I would just leave the house and we would just mm. go somewhere else. And I remember this there was one day that um, I was going to the university campus and some young guy came along and said, Hey, uh, would you like to come to a conference? I belong to such and such group. And this was not a Christian conference about a christian group it was a religious group of, no, of another kind and uh, they they were quite well known for actually recruiting uh, young people and kind of brainwashing them and mm. so on and so forth more of a cult type thing more of a cult yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, definitely not christian not not even remotely christian and uh, and i was i was really interested in philosophy mm. uh, i was interested in religion to a certain extent because i loved a good debate i love mm. to be yeah around people who had different opinions and I, I would love, to, I mean, I started to be a lawyer so I love to... Uh, oh, debating, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> debate and have a good old... uh back and forth, give absolutely. and take, yeah. So this young man is telling me about his religion and I'm kind of, you know, there's a bit of a debate going on. He said, well, how about how about you come, you come to the conference and you listen and, and then we talk about this. You know, that day I thought, well, I, I really need to go to the classes but, well, Okay, let me go along with this guy. But but do they have drums? (laughs) (laughs) They they didn't. Oh, okay. But anyway, I went along because he was a young guy and I loved debate. And I thought, well, let me see what this guy has and I'll have a good debate with him afterwards Mm -hmm. and so on. So so I went to this conference and I remember there was this man speaking, there was a whiteboard and he's kind of explaining sort of the premises of of whatever they believe and so on and so forth. And suddenly I had a really strange experience as I was sitting there. Suddenly, all these words, all these scriptures that my dad is reading out loud at home, suddenly it was as if I could stop hearing what he was saying. And my mind was flooded with all these scriptures. And to the point that this was so overwhelming that I stood up and I said, excuse me, sir, can I please say something? Wow, right in this Right conference. in the conference. Yeah. And the man stopped and looked at me and said, uh, yes, young man, um, Can I help you? Uh, He said, can I please say something? He said, yes, go ahead. And when I opened my mouth, and for the next hour, 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 I I looked at my watch and and, and it was exactly an hour. All that was coming out of my mouth were these scriptures that my dad kept reading out loud at home. So I found myself saying, for all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is only one mediator between man and God, Jesus Christ. And there's just Scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. This was a completely supernatural now, experience. Now, was this because you knew he was
2: contradicting
0: what your dad was saying? Was I, that the idea? I'll be honest with you. I had no idea what he was even saying. I mean, I, I, I would I would always be up for a, a debate, but this was different. I would never interrupt something, <laughs> a conference that was going on. In fact, it was... It felt supernatural because Mm. it was as if I was outside of my body, actually looking at myself saying, excuse me, sir, can I please say something? And that went on. and, And when this whole thing kind of subsided, I looked at my watch and exactly an hour had passed. I was never interrupted. And right at the end, the man looked at me and said, it's very interesting what you've said to us today, young man. Can you please come here tomorrow and tell us some more? Wow. By the time I was... I was so overwhelmed with what had happened. I didn't even know what to say. And and nothing of what I said had actually started in my mind or my thinking prior to that moment was all that I said was just the scriptures that my dad kept reading out loud at home. I was scared. I was overwhelmed. I said, excuse me, sir, I... I don't even know enough for myself and I left and I thought, I thought, well, I don't even believe this stuff. What, what have I done? Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm curious, you know, if you don't even believe it, why did you feel so
0: compelled? Absolutely. That's, that's the question I asked my father when I got home. So you didn't even understand what you were doing? Absolutely not. Wow. I got home and I, and I found my father again that night. There he was with his Bible out open and reading it out loud. And I said, dad, please stop. That There's something strange about that book. My father looked at me and said, what, what, what do you mean strange? I said, well, th- there's something weird about those words you keep reading every night because this is what happened to me. I went to a place and I was supposed to attend a conference and I ended up standing up and speaking and all that was coming to my mind, well, all those verses you keep reading <laughs> over and over again. And I mean, I said, please stop that. that. My dad looked at me and said, you know, son, I've been reading in this Bible that Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. I said, what does that mean? Hmm. It, it means that these words are not like the words of the books you read in university or some other book that someone has written. These words are, are spirit and they are life. They're, they go into you. This is how my dad described. Yeah. There's They're the supernatural. Power there. They They will go into you and they will never leave you. They're powerful words. Hmm. I said, I cannot deny that. My dad said, you know, I will buy you one of these books and I want you to read it. I wasn't ready for anything, but I I said, okay. I I was convinced that there was something powerful about the words of this book that were different from words of other books that I had read. So the next day my dad came and gave me this Bible and uh, the moment I looked at it, I just from that moment onwards, I just had this hunger and this desire to find out more about the author of the book mm. and and what this book was all about and what was so powerful about those those words. And um, within a short while, I eventually agreed to go to this little church where they were now meeting and uh, and this time, I was fully convinced about the reality of God. Of course, I knew that I had just had some kind of an experience, but I, mm. I wanted more. I wanted to know this God. Now all my defenses and all my intellectual um, ideas were kind of put aside and, and my pride and, and my resistance, and, and I, I was thinking, well, if, if there is really a God, if, if, if this God is really real like my dad is saying, then it wouldn't be even logical for me to put Him away from my life if he's real, let him, well, I'll, I'll invite him. I'll say, well, sh- show yourself to me. Kind of like what you saw your dad do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I remember that uh, night was 14th of April, and was a Friday night. It was I remember this man, this preacher, preached a great message, and I could hardly wait for him to end the message because I, I really wanted to respond to the message and invite Jesus into my heart, and that's what I did that night. And (laughs) that was the most powerful day day of my life, the turning point of my existence, when he came into my heart. Our guest today,
2: once again, is Pastor Luis Cabral, who is sharing with us his life journey and about growing up in Portugal. Next, we're going to find out the incredible way that the Lord completely changes the direction of his life. All that and more when we return right here on Real Faith. Looking for resources to grow your faith? Check out Vision Christian Store with
1: books, movies, audio CDs, DVD resources and more. Plus, free delivery on orders over $50. See visionstore.org.au You're listening to Real Faith. Conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au.
2: Welcome back, I'm Eric Scadabo, and now we have the conclusion of our two-part conversation with Pastor Luis Cabral, who's been sharing with us his international life journey. Before the break, we heard how God had been working in his life. Now we're going to hear how God radically changes the direction of his life.
0: I was studying still to be a lawyer in those days, and uh, I I understood right from the outset that this was not a, a religious exercise that I was going to have to incorporate into my life that this was a relationship. Mm, yep. And so, right from the outset, I said, God, I'll spend with you an hour every day. And in those days, I was really busy. I was doing my law degree. I was working. I had a little job with an insurance company. And I, I lived uh, outside the capital city of Portugal, Lisbon. Mm. And I had to, you know, it was a bit of a long drive every day. So, I would come home really late. But I, I had promised that, that I would never... Uh, go to bed without mm. spending an hour with God and and mm. many times I would just wake up in the middle of the night because <laughs> I had been on my knees and talking to God and had gone to sleep and and so on and I was about 19 years of age. Um, one night I come home and um, I did exactly that. I read my Bible and I started talking to God and and I just dozed off in, into sleep and in the middle of the night I woke up and and there was this noise in my room and in those days I you know I slept all my books and the bookshelves and I thought everything had collapsed because it was a really loud noise mm. and I woke up and so I was I was fully alert and I was awake mm-hmm. and at that moment in I was alert and I wasn't asleep I was't having a dream I was awake and I heard an audible voice in my room mm-hmm. and I felt this presence that was so ah uh, oh it's hard to describe mm-hmm. but I felt like I was not even gonna leave to be able to tell anyone about that experience God was in my room who was majestic powerful great how can I describe that that presence that I felt and and I heard an audible voice that at that moment and and I'm I'm wide awake I'm alert and the voice said I'm coming soon what holds me or People that have never heard my name. And I want you to go and tell them that I'm real, that I love them. I am coming soon. I was absolutely scared. I was absolutely overwhelmed. I stood up and I I tried to run from my room. Couldn't even find a switch. and, And I was so nervous even even now as i'm sharing it i'm still mm. reliving yeah. a little bit of that that moment and i ran into my parents room they were also brand new christians as i've just mentioned and i opened the door and my my dad said what's happening i said i said dad god is in my room <laughs> my father said god is in your room i said yes god is in my room my father he said did he say something <laughs> i said yes daddy I heard this voice saying, I'm coming soon, what holds me are people that have never heard my name. I said, Dad, is it okay if I if I never become a lawyer, but instead I go and tell people that God loves him, that he has a plan for their lives. My dad said, well… <laughs> he's, he's That's a
2: lot of tuition out the window.
0: But my dad's not ready to argue with God, he said, well, if God said… Then I guess you have to do it. Wow. And after I've talked to them a little bit more and I'm becoming more calm and they said, okay, all right, okay, go back now to your room. And This is and in the middle it. of the night. In the middle of the night. And I said, Dad, there's no way I'm going back to that room. God is in that room. <laughs> and here's a 19-year-old young man jumping yeah. into the into their parents' bed <laughs> and saying, I'm not leaving here. I'm, Just I, like the younger day, is that? <laughs> absolutely. I said, I'm not leaving here because God is in my room. It was such a, a, a life-defining experience mm. with God, um, so powerful, so, so real. I, I was never able to shake that off, and 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 that's the uh, calling on your life. That's absolutely the calling of my mm-hmm. life. And I, you know, it took a it took a, a man, a funny, skinny man with a, a funny accent, to come all the way from his country of origin to come. The Canadian, to, yeah, Canadian man, to come to our country and tell us about Jesus. Said, Lord, if if that's what it takes for people to know Jesus, I'll be that man. I'll be that skinny man with a funny accent, going somewhere in the world. <laughs> To tell someone, by whatever means it takes, to tell someone about Jesus. So, you know, a few years later, I met uh, my wife, and we became missionaries in, in Africa. And we've traveled to every continent on the face of this planet. Wow. And we've preached the gospel to um, to two people. Well, or let me
2: just back up. To two, so, 200,000 people. So, obviously, people. then yep. you went to…
0: Bible school. Switched from law to
2: Bible school. Or well, I, I still continued yourself?
0: on with my studies. Oh, did you? Okay. And I only I only did my biblical studies later on. Oh, okay. And I was already in the ministry as I was doing my my biblical studies, mm-hmm. and I ended up doing you know a number of degrees and so on and so forth. But the I just I just had to obey that call and just mm, yeah. jumped into the uh, missionary calling and and um, and been going ever since. And then years ago, the Lord spoke to me about the uh, ends of the earth, and hence, Australia and being here, the uh, furthest parts of the world. There was this other
2: country in between that we might want to mention, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I lived in New Zealand. I lived in yep. New Zealand. Uh, across the ditch? Uh, across the ditch. You know, I love New Zealand. Lived in New Zealand for many years, for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Pastored and there? Yeah. Uh, well, we were based out of New Zealand, but but traveling all around the world. At one stage, we were traveling nine months out of 12. Oh, okay. But we had we had many meetings. We traveled that whole country from, you know, north to south, east to west, all, every little place and big place we've been to. So you were a traveling evangelist? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Just and, like the Canadian
2: in the tent. Did you have a uh, tent?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> no. Well, we've, we've had 10 meetings in Africa, and then we've outgrown the 10 meetings, and we've had, you know, mass sort of crusades in Africa. Uh, but, you know, God is into that one person, mm-hmm. it's not just about the crowds, it's that one yep, person yep. that will respond to Him, that will, in sincerity will cry out to Him, and, and God will move heaven and earth to get the gospel preached to that one person. So It's never about the crowds, it's about every individual, every person on the face of this planet that God loves so much. Any challenges when you stepped out in faith? I'm well, thinking about when you initially went out there, any apprehensions? Oh, absolutely! We were in different scenarios where we were in war. Uh, we we went through wars. We went through areas that were um, where Ebola virus was present, and uh, wow, people people at the border said, "Well, I guess we won't see you back this way." And we we were then Ebola-infested wow. sort of areas. We witnessed wars. We went back to Angola, the country where I was born, and um, I was born on the fifth of October, and we had a crusade exactly in that same city on the 6th of October and preached. And there were maybe 30 40,000 people at the meetings. And I was able to preach to my own countrymen. And mm. uh, So Angola had changed over the years from yeah, when absolutely. you were kind of kicked out of there. Absolutely. But but the war lasted. So when we went there, there was still war. Oh, yeah. And so we had the very first gospel crusade ever in the history of that country. And this was at a time when the warring factions were in conversations and United Nations were Mm -hmm. there and we just saw an opportunity went there. We we did a big crusade and when we finished the crusade, they went right back into war and we were stranded. We were stranded for many days and we had bullets flying over our heads and bombardments. We were right in the middle of it. I hate to say it, but it was kind of taking you back to your childhood. Absolutely. We saw atrocities and all kinds of uh, calamities. How'd you get out? Well, I mean, we. This is, this is interesting. Uh, here's another story. I mean, we were, we were right in the middle of the war, and uh, we were in a little place on, on just on the floor, with surrounded with mattresses. Not that it would keep the bullets from coming through, but just the noise of the bombardments mm. was so yeah. intense. Yeah. And my mother in Portugal was was praying for us, and obviously we had a lot of anxiety. And this one night, she she just woke up in the middle of the night and she looked and she saw a man standing at the foot of the bed in bright clothes. And this man in bright clothes, my dad was sleeping next to her. He never heard a thing, he never saw a thing, he was just snoring away. (laughs) (laughs) And my mom saw this angel. She said he had bright clothes and he spoke these words. He said, don't fear for the lives of your children because the road where they walk is paved with the hands of my angels. Hmm. And it's interesting that right through that whole time, as when we were in Angola, we were, we were just quoting Psalm 91. Lord, we thank you that you shall, a thousand may fall at our side, ten thousand at our right hand. No evil shall come near us. You shall give your angels charge concerning us. They will uphold us in the palms of their hands. And as we're saying that, you know, thousands of kilometers away, my mom has this mm. visitation, this being yeah. in black yeah. clothes that spoke to her and said, the road where they walk is paved with the hands of my angels. And we, we managed to get out of the place where we were, and we have video of that. Mm. And, and there's bodies everywhere. There's cars that have been exploded. Houses have been exploded, and, and not a bullet had touched our car. We got in the car. We're praying as we we're driving through the militia. They're looking at us, and we're driving in the middle, right through the middle of the militia. And uh, at one point, we had a, um, a rocket-propelled grenade launcher pointed at us, but, oh, wow. but they never launched it. And we, wow. we drove 600 kilometers just sustained by the hands of God's angels. Just right out of the country then? Yeah. Well, we went to the airport about 600 kilometers north, and we got to the airport. There was a plane about to leave. Oh, okay. yeah. By now, the fighting had started right at the airport. Oh, wow. And we left the car there. Uh, I would like to say that it's still there today, but it's not there. Someone would have used it. But as we are walking on the tarmac towards the plane, there's there's bullets flying, and we got out of there, thank God, by a tremendous Mm -hmm. miracle. So there's lots of uh, interesting... Just one of the many stories
2: you have. Unfortunately, we're going to have to stop it right there because we've run out of time yet again. You have so many stories to tell, but we should say that Currently, you are the pastor of Australia for Christ Church on the east side of Melbourne. How's that going? Well,
0: it's a wonderful group of people, uh, multicultural, mm-hmm. people from all around the world. that are part of that uh, church, and I'm loving it. Fantastic. Thank you so
2: much for sharing your stories with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Our guest today and last time has been Pastor Luis Cabral He, as I just mentioned, is the pastor of Australia for Christ Church On the east side of Melbourne And to find out more information about that multicultural church You can go to their website, acfchurch.com That's acfchurch.com
1: You've been listening to Real Faith And if you have any questions or comments You can send us a message through our website realfaith.org.au That's realfaith.org.au This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au